0: Welcome to Two Fools Trying to Make a Musical, about Two Fools Trying to Make a Musical.
1: To stay up to date on news, share your thoughts and opinions, and generally spend more time thinking about this, you should please visit TwoFoolsTrying.com. That's T-W-O-FoolsTrying.com. Like us on Facebook, or follow us on Instagram and Twitter at TwoFoolsTrying.
0: Some of the intelligent conversation from last time on Two Fools Trying to Make a Musical.
1: You think, what I think all of us know to be true, is that the musical in general is the most absurd art form that there is.
0: Yes. And I love being in the theatre and being um, absorbed into a storyline. So
1: when I go to see a show, like in Playhouse Square downtown, I actually find it very hard... Just to be absorbed in the story, because I am usually thinking, ooh, I would – which part would I like to be? Probably, I. I you know – Let's put it in First Ladies. It, uh, well, I was going to
0: say – I was, I was going to defer that one to Mel Brooks, but,
1: you know. Eleanor Roosevelt could say, <laughs> you find know, a Nazi, punch him in the face with like some – We'll see what we can yeah, do with some that. Ca- with some cake, some cake walk in there a little bit. Sure.
0: Let's talk about failure.
1: Yes. Maybe you'll think it's terrible.
0: Well – but, we'll find uh, out. A pageant. Oh, Well, I, th- I, th- I thought we had an understanding that, that, that the arts <laughs> is only useful if someone if it's wins.
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> that was last time. Now, this time.
1: Maybe we should do that intro thing we do.
0: Sure. That sounds good. Um, <laughs> <laughs> why, why not? My name's Joe. And I'm Steve. And you are listening to
1: two fools trying to make a musical. Uh,
0: have we got any further
1: in in what making it? Yeah. Yes.
0: I suppose we have. I mean, we've we've really last episode we uh, largely on your shoulders. We really.
1: Yeah. Sorry about that. No. Because <laughs> <laughs> I thought episode two was way less interesting. Yeah. <laughs>
0: It was it was good work that we did, though.
1: Uh, yes. Oh, for sure. Yeah. And uh, as, as I told you, um, since episode two, I had an epiphany while lying in bed. Another one. I couldn't sleep. I did. And I, I just got out of bed at about 3.30 in the morning, and I went downstairs for two hours, and I typed about six to eight pages, I think. Of what I think is the end of the show. Yes, because didn't we talk about how J k. Rowling always knew where she was going?
0: Yes, absolutely.
1: So I did that. And I don't know if that's where we're going to end up going, but I did do it. Maybe we can talk about that later. But I did send it to you, and you thought it was not terrible.
0: That is exactly my reaction.
1: <laughs> really, it was no, it was no better than not terrible.
0: No, it was it was very good. I liked it. Okay. I- all right. I like that whole idea. Now, are we going to – a quick question. Are we going to share that ending with anybody?
1: Uh, not, not right
0: now, but
1: – Yes, uh, we, we can. Maybe later? Uh, yeah, who would you want to share it with? Our what, listener. We, what do a staged reading?
0: No, not in detail, the concept.
1: Oh, yeah, we could talk about that.
0: Okay, do- well, that concept may change following today's conversation
1: it it might. And what is what's today's conversation, Joe?
0: Well, Steve, today's conversation is with
3: Michelle Gallian, the archivist and curator at the National First Ladies Library
0: in Canton, Ohio.
1: There's a National First Ladies Library? It seems so. It is
0: a national historic site, and we thought that we're in Northeast Ohio. And we're fools. We indeed, we're fools. We don't, you know, <laughs> We we don't know a ton. Um, You know a ton, but um, we're going to find out a ton more. We thought we live in Northeast Ohio. They're in Northeast Ohio, and why not try to call someone from this wonderful resource?
1: You know, it's amazing, Joe, that this thirteen-year-long project. It never occurred to us to drive an hour to do that. But we did think it was a great idea when we were under quarantine and couldn't do it at all.
0: That's right, so let's let's make that call and this is exciting and see what happens. Mm, mm, mm,
1: mm. <laughs> we're gonna edit that out too. hopefully right yeah, job. okay.
3: Hi, it's Michelle. Leave me a message, and I'll call you back. (laughs) At (laughs) the tone, please record your message. When you've finished recording, you may hang up or press 1 for more options.
0: Hi, Michelle. This is Steve and Joe, and we're going to call you back. Hopefully, we'll find you. Oh, wait. Wait. Here we go. Hang on. Hello. Is that Michelle?
3: Yes, it is. How nice to meet you both.
0: Indeed. Michelle, thank you for joining us on our podcast. We are excited to, to chat with you. Um, we are two fools trying to make a musical. <laughs> we'll see how well we do in the long run. But in the short run, because we are two fools uh, in Northeast Ohio, we thought we would reach out to you at... The first ladies library the national first ladies library to get some expert advice on first ladies because our musical is based on the stories of the first ladies of america so we thought we would reach out to an expert who knows everything there is to know
1: no pressure no pressure right
3: yeah yeah
1: because we're fools michelle so you're already a step ahead
3: can I ask a question right off the bat?
1: Please. Oh yes.
3: Please ask, explain to me why you chose first ladies to write a musical about.
0: Well, that's that's one for Steve.
1: Well, I am a history teacher, up in Menor, government teacher. One of those great maxims is "write what you know," and I thought, well, let's do something historical. And one of the touchstone shows we keep bringing up a, a lot is, you know, I was influenced by a show called Assassins, which maybe is not something that appeals in your line of work. But it was a show that came out in the 90s about all the people who have tried to assassinate the president.
3: Yeah.
1: Are you familiar with it?
3: Yes, I am.
1: Yeah. What do you think of that show?
3: Um, well, <laughs> um, I mean, that's, I guess, just human nature. Everybody's intrigued with why would a right. crazy person do right. that?
1: So that's why uh, we're not doing a show called Assassins, because that's a little <laughs> dark. And also, S- Stephen Sondheim already wrote it. So the, oh, the next it's
3: very hard to pronounce some of their names.
1: <laughs> yes, Leon Scholgosh. That's a great one. Two exactly. Zs in there. But uh, so the, the natural way to go would maybe say, all right, well, Assassins has been done. You know, let's do Presidents. But, you know, Walt Disney World has that. Really amazing and creepy haul of them already. And that seems a little too on the nose. And I wanted to do some research on something that I honestly didn't know much about since I was going to have to research anyway. And I thought, well, let's just do first ladies because I don't really know much about them.
3: Okay, Did you before, did you see um, 1776, the musical 1776?
1: Yes, one of my all-time favorite. Big influence. You know,
3: I'm, that's one I've never seen.
1: Oh, uh, it's, it's wonderful. And the movie from the 1970s is also worth watching. Have you seen the movie?
3: No, I've got to do that.
1: John Adams is played by William Daniels, who uh, either my generation would know as the voice of Kit the Car in Knight Rider. Is he really? Or... Uh, Yes. Uh, And also the TV series St. Elsewhere in the 80s. You remember that show? Oh, yes. He was a tyrannical doctor on that show. And my students know him as Mr. Feeney from Boy Meets World.
2: Oh, okay.
1: But here's the problem with a show like 1776 and why, even though it's one of my favorites, I've never done it, is because it's all dudes. And if you're doing educational theater, that's the one thing you never have enough of. And that's also one of the marketing points, we think, of doing a show like First Ladies. Because schools could do it because you always have more girls than you can use that of great talent and are interested. I'm serious. It's like See? a practical consideration. I
3: know, I know. Yeah. Uh, yeah totally you're so right yeah. so, you're so well, right thank
1: you so that's how the so that's how we came up with it i want to know from your guys' perspective uh, what was the reaction in the office when you got an email from two fools saying we're writing a musical about first ladies you must have thought it was like manna from heaven or uh, a quarantine prank right
3: no honestly um you wouldn't believe the most we get the most interesting emails all the time really? so it was just like, day. Just okay, well, and here's this. <laughs> I'm serious. What, what are
1: some of those interesting emails you get, Michelle?
3: We get people who are either interested in how they're related to First Ladies. Hmm. We get people who want to know what they ate and um, can they fix some recipes of theirs. Huh. I personally get a lot of offers that people want to give me uh, First Lady doll collections, you know, because there's been like Madame Alexander dolls, mm-hmm. I could fill hallways, you know, or a huge building with all the dolls really? that have been made
1: with first ladies. Interesting. <laughs> you know, I have a uh, presidential Pez collection. Oh, cool. Just the presidents from the 50s and 60s. So if you want to open uh, Dwight Eisenhower's neck and eat a uh, poorly shaped cherry Pez, I can help you with that
3: did it through
1: the 50s? Well, I, it's a series, and I only have one box. It was a gift, I guess.
3: Oh, okay. <laughs> wow, I didn't know that. Yeah, the, that is so, yeah, But I'll I'm not
1: surprised. That. All right, so the, the email from us was not that strange at all, then. No,
3: no, I'm so- sorry. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Don't be. You had something, Joe?
0: Well, I just wanted to say that I know less than Steve about American history and nothing at all about the First Ladies. But I think with the roaring success of Hamilton, for those who have seen Hamilton or experienced Hamilton, even though I haven't seen Hamilton, I feel like I know more about the period now. Steve and I have had conversations in the past, or at least I, I have advocated for this idea that the true American way is to learn about history from movies and not really read anything. So
3: absolutely true. Right. That's so very true.
0: So for those people who have watched uh, Hamilton, they now they now know all about the founding fathers. Of course. Um, what else is there? There's nothing else, and they they know that all our wow. founding fathers um, were heavily influenced by hip hop. <laughs> So we've, you know, so we That's
3: For sure. <laughs> it it is
0: absolutely absolutely true. So my guess is that most will know a little about a few first ladies. Right. And what we're trying to do is perhaps take a new angle and come at it from um perhaps an ignorant perspective. Um you know, we let let's assume we don't know much about the First Ladies, because I, I, I think that's probably a, a decent place to start.
1: Joe I, yeah, Joe, I could tell you, having watched the uh, latest celebrity who wants to be a millionaire last night, uh, people don't know anything <laughs> about anything. Right. And so, and so Michelle, I think your, right. your, your site is clearly a resource. So we have some questions for you, and I know Joe does. But before, before we launch into that, what exactly is the first ladies site and uh what is your affiliation with it why why are you the person that we get the pleasure of talking to
3: well um i am the archivist curator at the first ladies national historic site um it's a partnership with the national first ladies library which is the site that that i work for and the national park service which is um They own the buildings and the site itself. There's two separate sites. There's an education and resource site Mm -hmm. and the Ida Saxon-McKinley ancestral home. And that is also part of our site.
1: So it's in Canton because of the William McKinley presence.
3: Right, exactly. And that's where William and Ida, that was their hometown.
0: So who was Ida McKinley?
3: I'm so glad you asked. Ida McKinley was... uh, uh, her maiden name is Saxton, and she comes from. You might want to say one of the most wealthy uh, people in town. The Saxtons uh, were very, very wealthy people. Her father um, was a, a banker, very influential banker in Canton. Her grandfather was um, the owner and the founder of the Canton Repository, which is a newspaper. So, in those days, that's big money. So she's very, very, very wealthy. um, And William McKinley is not. Um, He came from to Canton uh, after the Civil War. He was a Civil War uh, veteran. Um, He became a lawyer, and he started his, uh, he got his kind of his break in Canton, Ohio. And that's how the two of them met. And the other thing that's cool about Ida is her father is very, very pro-women, uh, pro-his daughters. Uh, Ida is given an excellent education, which um, if anybody knows about history, women were not uh, given uh, much thought to their education, young girls. Um, and so Ida was given every privilege. She was went to finishing schools. Um, and always with an emphasis on bank and on banking, on math, she really loved um, numbers and was good at it. And so her father encouraged that. And once she was finished with her schooling, she was actually working in his bank, which is this is um, you know right after the Civil War, eighteen sixty nine ish. A woman doesn't work in a bank. <laughs> Unless she's very, very wealthy and has the support of her father, which she did, and that's probably uh, very much how she and William became uh, to know about each other. There's all we don't really know how they met. There's um, there's all kinds of little lovely stories about that. But William McKinley never um, he was never. Financially well off, it was Ida who was. They lived a very kind of nomadic life. In that, um, he was very active in the politics. They had lost both their daughters um, in in childhood, and um, Ida had epilepsy, and uh, so at times she wasn't well. When they were in Canton, they lived with her sister uh, in the family home up above upstairs. Mm-hmm. Um, and they lived in in hotels and and uh, suites that type of thing, uh, in Columbus or Washington D.C. wherever that uh, he was serving. So it's a very more of a contemporary kind of life than we think about for Victorians having.
1: So she she worked in a bank, and that was a time, as you said, women didn't typically work in banks uh i don't think it, joe that they worked in english banks either for, according to harry potter it was mostly goblins that ran those isn't that right
0: it's still <laughs> goblins
1: that's yeah. what i thought okay so uh it's interesting that you mention uh ida's wealth because sometimes people say that suggest uh the same thing about martha washington you, you wonder whether george was uh completely all about martha or her thousand acres right there you go Right, but it also, as you mentioned, with Ida's epilepsy, I've read and tell me if this is correct that he was he was definitely devoted to her. In fact, they would be, he would insist as as opposed to what would be standard protocol, where the president, like at a formal dinner, would be at one end of the table, and Ida, the first lady, would be at the other. He insisted that she had to be seated next to him because when she would have one of, as they called it a hundred years ago, one of her fits, uh, William McKinley would be uh, uh, predisposed to just carry on his conversation as if nothing was happening while he held up like a napkin in front of her face until she kind of composed herself. Is that right?
3: Yes, that's absolutely true. Um, however, it's also interesting, isn't it, that she would do that and they would, that would happen and they would just carry on as if nothing, Mm. I don't know that anyone's really, um, Described them or anything, and they certainly didn't understand epi- epilepsy at the time. So the fact that yeah. she even is doing that, and he's next to her, and they're treating it as no big deal, um, that's remarkable in and of itself. Um, it is.
1: It's an interesting nugget. A woman
3: nugget. didn't do that. Yeah. yeah.
1: It is. It's a, it's interesting, but not something I think that we would include in first ladies. Joe, what do you think? Probably not.
3: No. No. <laughs> it's also. No. Uh-uh. Yeah. It's been done.
1: Right, right. Oh well that's that's true.
0: Well it does it does get into a a particular area that that I'm wondering about and have some have a a question or two about, which is how best can we as two fools and not just two fools but two male fools and two white male fools (laughs) write a musical about prominent historical women without, well, with keeping in mind that we live in a Me Too world and um, without sounding like complete idiots.
1: So, in short, is this a bad idea? Yeah, <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs>
3: You've been working on it for how long? 13 years. (laughs) Well, yeah.
0: Never occurred to us. I think Michelle has just answered that question for you, Steve. (laughs)
1: Yeah. (laughs) I guess so. So, what do you you think? What, what What would we need to be aware of or conscious of? Like, what do you think is the one thing that we would need to understand about first ladies in general? In order for us to do this,
3: you need to understand that it is definitely a um, a role that is one and where a woman's thoughts and ideas and and what she is interested in doing are secondary to her husband's because of the political office that he holds. She doesn't she doesn't want him to do anything to cause him trouble.
1: That's not always been true, right? I mean, some first ladies, they could be kind of pushy. Or is maybe that an example, Joe, of what you're talking about? A white male version of that idea. Like, I'm thinking Helen Taft, for example. She wanted William Howard Taft to be president much more than he did.
3: Right. However, she had to keep that under wraps. She could not um, openly say that. She had to be very, very careful. As a matter of fact, Teddy Roosevelt brought her in and and to his office and said Mm -hmm. accused her of uh, wanting to be president Mm -hmm. and that's what is that to me that's a threat um it's Mm -hmm. telling her back off Mm -hmm. um yeah it's it's a it's um, a
0: comment on quote unquote knowing your place exactly
3: exactly that's a
1: that's
0: a a misogynist power move
1: right do you think that that's part of the problem that people had for example modern more in a more modern times with Hillary Clinton.
3: Oh, very much so.
1: Because here's someone who, you know, none, none of these First Ladies are holding like an actual official office. They're not elected. Right. And and yet Bill Clinton empowered her to be, you know, he's even said, ah, it's going to be a two for one deal. You're going to love it. And he sent her up to Capitol Hill to be the <laughs> face of his health care. That's very good, Steve. Right. Thank you. Yeah. And sent her up there. And I think she, and people didn't like that. And I think they also oh. didn't. Yeah. like she suffered by comparison to the first lady who came immediately before her who who was you know white-haired lovely pearl clutching barbara bush who was the everybody's American grandma, grandma. <laughs> exactly so she she picked she had the worst possible time to try and be that kind of first lady do you agree
3: oh very much so very much so and society doesn't change that quickly <laughs> Right, uh, You go from Barbara Bush to Hillary Clinton, you're going to have a lot of backlash.
0: So what do you think, Michelle, what, what do you think about the changing role of first ladies over time? Do you think that there has, because you say that society doesn't change that quickly, and it certainly doesn't change that quickly from one first lady to the very next. But do you think mm-hmm. it has evolved in any significant way? over a longer period of time, or do you still think that the role of the first lady, because they are still all women, we have yet to have our first female president, so do you think the role of a first lady has changed a great deal over generations?
3: Yes, it has. Um, There really isn't any job description Even now for a first lady, and it's, as Steve was saying, it's a, um, a unpaid position. And the only role that it really everybody does is the hostess role. And that was what was originally meant for it to be was a hostess role. Um, a woman came and, uh, made for a delightful entertainment, you know, civilized, um, entertainment, uh, diplomacy, that type of thing. Um, that was the role that they all share. Um, but through time, um, they've been able to have more. Um, uh, and this is really only a, a 20th century type in where they were able to actively have a, a cause. Lady Bird Johnson with beautification. Um, Jackie Kennedy comes along and wants to uh, uh, make the White House into a, a historic museum. Um, that's a really more recent thing, and now we accept it. We think that's fine. Um, we We almost criticize a first lady, and I'm thinking um, of Melania Trump right now if she doesn't have a strong cause. I mean, she has be best, but be best is kind of out there and and uh,
0: not, uh, not super uh, well <laughs> defined uh, really?
3: No, it's not well defined. And she catches a lot of uh, criticism for that. And yet, she doesn't have to have a cause. She doesn't even have to do that if she doesn't want to. Um, Mm. And I think that people, society demands that almost now. Um, It's fascinating to me.
1: It also seems, do you think that first ladies over time, their fortunes have been tied to the fortunes Of their husbands, because Melania Trump is married to one of the more uh, controversial presidents we've ever seen, to put it generously. And is is it possible for her to be this amazing, successful first lady if her husband is struggling or being challenged or is a divisive figure? Are they limited by— how their president performs do
3: you think yes they're assessed by their husband's presidency and that's very unfortunate um i'm thinking specifically pat nixon florence harding um some of these that where there's been terrible um you know controversial things happen to their husbands during the presidencies so those women oftentimes just kind of get a check mark um People say about uh, Pat Nixon, "Oh, she was plastic pat," because, you know, she had this fake smile on her face. She was so much more than that. She did so much more interesting type things. A lot of people don't know that she was very pro-ERA. She was pro-abortion. She was very, very uh, much about women's rights. But we never hear that about Pat Nixon. We don't really hear about Pat Nixon at all. Florence Harding is another fabulous example of an amazing woman. Who is marred by her husband's presidency with the teapot dome and all the scandals and his sexual exploits? Um people love to talk about that, but she herself was this amazing uh, woman. She was divorced. Um, she was a single mother. Um, she was the first first lady, of course, to be able to vote for her husband. She was very pro women, getting women's um, organizations. She would have them come to the White House and she would take pictures with them because she understood that um, that was hmm. getting noticed in, in the public eye was important to women's organizations. And yet you don't hear a thing about either one of those no. two women.
1: And they were eclipsed by their husbands, you think?
3: Exactly. And their misdeeds.
1: <clears throat> now, Fl- Florence Harding was in the 1920s. That was 20 to 23. There was another first lady that came right after that, Grace Coolidge, that I think fits that same mold, do you agree and and how did what kind of first lady was that? because I think that's another first lady people don't know about, but when I was researching seemed like a really interesting person.
3: yeah, she's awesome.
1: Do you know much about Grace Coolidge?
3: Yes, she uh, was a teacher. She taught deaf students at the Clark School for the deaf. It's maybe changed names now. It's still in existence to this day. Um, she did so many interesting things, although calvin Coolidge. Um, kind of kept, um, he was very much more of a, oh, I don't know Is the, the proper thing, word for it. He's a male chauvinist, I would say. That sounds
1: like the proper word for it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he wouldn't yeah. even let her drive, I think.
3: Exactly. He wouldn't let her drive. That's
1: the first thing she did when he died.
3: Um, when, uh, when she went out on a walk once with one of her secret servicemen and got lost. Well, he fired the secret serviceman because she got lost, even though she was like, that's ridiculous. We were talking and I got lost. It's not his fault. And yet he was mm-hmm. fired for, for that.
2: Mm.
3: Be- because I think Calvin Coolidge thought it looked bad that she was out with mm. this secret service man, the innuendo there of, oh, well, they were out. Um, right. I guess he was quite good looking. <laughs> So,
0: you've always got this specter of power that's over the First Lady's shoulder all the time. Yes. That's got to be a, a very strange existence, especially for yes. the First Ladies that you've described, that by all accounts sound much more capable than their husbands, or, or, or perhaps at least equal to.
3: Yes, exactly. Um, take a look at Hillary Clinton right. in more, our more recent history here. So dynamic. Um. Uh, I don't think you would have a Bill Clinton if you didn't have a Hillary Clinton. And then she goes on and just takes it and does all this amazing stuff once he's done with his presidency. In the 2016 election, she was seen as a part of the establishment when she was running for president. Which just drove me crazy right. because she's not; she's a woman. True. How can you be part of the establishment?
1: <laughs> right. She hadn't even. She had only held one elected office. Exactly. You know what's interesting, though, a lot of people, especially when Hillary Clinton was first lady, uh, before she tried to be uh, an elected leader in her own right, the first lady that she seemed to fashion herself off of most, and that people I remember. 25, 30 years ago comparing her to was she was much more in the mold of an Eleanor Roosevelt. Yes. Oh,
3: yeah. Right. Very much so. Now,
1: Eleanor Roosevelt, she was our first ambassador to the U.N. was Eleanor Roosevelt. She was very active.
3: Exactly. That's right. And she was the writer of the Declaration of Human Rights.
1: Yes. Now, why do you think that Eleanor Roosevelt was able to do so much 90 years ago and hillary clinton because she dares to do you know any is she gets all this pushback is that because of their husbands or did hillary not go about it in the right way or or why is that why was she not able to be eleanor roosevelt and how come more first ladies since eleanor roosevelt haven't been an eleanor roosevelt why is that
3: well people don't realize eleanor roosevelt was just as controversial as Hillary Clinton in the day. Hmm. Um, Hmm. And I imagine that looking in a hundred years from now, Hillary Clinton is going to be much more as revered as Eleanor Roosevelt on that same but because it's happening now, I think, because Eleanor was, oh my gosh, she was uh, so controversial. You know, there had never been anybody like her before. She was already political, and uh, very active politically before she became first lady. If anything, like um, Lou Hoover and so many others before Eleanor, once their husband became, whether it was, um, I think for Eleanor, it was when uh, FDR first became, was he governor of New York?
1: She so was secretary of the Navy.
3: Yeah, but she actually had to st- take a step back because now she's the first lady. Right. And that happened so often. Where A woman would be so active and involved in what she was doing, and then she'd have to go, oh, he's president now. I have to stop my affiliation with this, and I have to be—I need to be more neutral. I need to be more um, symbolic or whatever.
1: (laughs) Mm -hmm. Now, it seemed like Eleanor cut a deal for herself where I'm going to look the other way, Franklin, on your affairs and nonsense, and you're going to look the other way as I'm active, and you're going to let me do it.
3: That's right. Do
1: you think there's truth in that?
3: I do. I admire FDR for uh realizing how capable she was. I think he really did need her too as a man who couldn't walk. I
1: mm-hmm.
3: give him tons of credit for allowing her to do what she did. Um mm-hmm. it took a lot of bravery on his part to allow her to do what he did. And she he didn't always agree with her. He didn't he would ignore her. A lot of the things that she felt were wrong, he would ignore, and he would do anyway. Um, I'm thinking of the um, the internment of the uh, Japanese Americans right. during World War II. Oh, she was terribly against that. She really, really felt that was so wrong, and he went ahead and did that. A- a- and she really, really fought for civil rights, for um, the poll tax, for all the things that were happening in the 19. 19- 30s, 20s and 30s and right. 40s that had to do with... Marian
1: uh, Anderson singing at the Lincoln Memorial. She exactly. was behind a lot of that, too. Yeah.
3: Perfect example. Re- resigned from the DRA. Yeah, or D-A-R. <laughs>
1: right. Okay, Michelle. So we've covered a lot of ground here. I think thematically, Joe, and about specific first ladies, do you agree?
0: I, yes, absolutely. You
1: know, in doing a musical, we we aren't going to have, you know, 40-some Characters, right. we're going to narrow it down. Right. right. And I said we would probably narrow it down to maybe a core group of about 15. And I asked you and your staff to think about if you had to choose, like choosing your favorite children, right? But if you had to choose 15 <laughs> first ladies to kind of represent uh, the office and the title, uh, what would you pick? Did you guys talk about that?
3: Yeah, we did. Um- We went, okay, um, if you're talking about first ladies during the office, while they're first lady in the office, that was kind of what we went on to because, oh, you know, I may love Elizabeth Monroe, but she didn't really do that much about in in the office. She did a lot of cool stuff before, but not during. Right. So we used that as kind of our... Uh, way of looking at it. Who did the most while she was first lady?
1: So you have fifteen.
3: We do. We actually were. Are they ranked? Uh, are they ranked? No, we didn't rank them. I think what we did was we took them by um, the oldest to the newest.
1: So the question then was, what are the top fifteen first ladies, in no particular order? Well, all
0: time. I have. I have a a prep question first. Okay. Okay. I was interested to know. How much disagreement there was between you ah good question when you were getting this list oh, together was it hard?
3: Yes, it was hard. It was difficult because there were people who wanted to put Harriet Lane in there um Harriet Lane was not she was a first she was a hostess, but she was not a first lady right. um so there right. were things like that that we that we disagreed on um and there were there were some real surprises to me on um who certain people put in that I was like, really? Why would you want? We didn't really talk about it. We didn't have the time to really get into it. But I would <laughs> say that, you know, we agreed more than we disagreed. Um, and that was mainly within the oh, the, right. the earlier first ladies. That's where we disagreed more than, than or, or there was different, not disagreement, but different people mm-hmm. that they put in for different reasons. All
1: right. So what do you got?
3: Okay. Everybody said Dolly Madison, of course. Of course, you just have to have Dolly Madison. I agree. Um, because because
1: give her give us our two sentence resume for each one.
3: <laughs> Dolly Madison.
0: Yeah, let's <laughs> let's start this off by reducing their entire achievements to two sentences. That's a isn't that what the musical's going to do, that, Joe? That's a great way. That's a great way of displaying our enlightened approach.
1: Well, we don't want a five hour musical, Joe. <laughs> All right. So Dolly Madison, because?
3: Everybody's going to say because she saved George Washington's picture, of course. Um, but I would right. say because she was she was so politically astute. She used um, entertainment as a way of uh, of politically bringing opposing groups together um, her hostess abilities alone were just magnificent.
1: And if I'm not mistaken, I think she was the first one to actually be referred to as a, America's first lady.
3: Supposedly.
1: Am I right about that? I remember reading that.
3: That's what Zachary Taylor said in his like eulogy to her. Ah. But I don't know that anybody knows that for sure. There it's just so interesting. We hear it all the time. It it gets used, it gets Madam President gets used. Um Mrs. President gets used mm. at times. Um, mm-hmm. It doesn't really stick until we can. We've seen as Lucy Hayes, it sticks with her.
1: So the origin of the title itself is not clear.
3: No, Huh-uh. interesting. You know, it was Lady Washington. Um, they were called Lady. They were called Madam. Um, they were called <laughs> Presidentress. Mm-hmm. It's fascinating.
1: All right. That's one fourteen to go. Hey, Joe, you seeing the merit of my two sentence resume? Uh, I've always seen the merit of everything you say, Steve. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Next up, Dolly Madison. Then who else?
3: Mary Lincoln. After Dolly? Dolly, yes.
1: Mary Todd, okay. Because?
3: Because she continued to entertain and fight for the union by entertaining. As first lady, again, is her hostess duties, even though that's incredibly seen as as being distasteful um, by many people because the country's at war. She's a hot topic. I swear. Um, okay. Oh my gosh. Number three. Then number three, Francis Cleveland. We all said Francis Cleveland.
1: Mm-hmm. Because.
3: Because. We call her the Jackie Kennedy of the 19th century. She's youthful, young. Hmm. She brings um, a real fresh interest, and she brings women's interest into politics. Even though they can't vote, they're so fascinated. They love everything about Frances Cleveland. What she wears, what she she says and does, her children, that type of thing. Uh, there's Frankie clubs, and they're all having to do with um, support of Grover Cleveland because through Frances.
1: Now, as I recall, Grover Cleveland uh, had known Frances literally her entire life yeah. as an adult. I think her father died or something, and he was became he he was a father figure and raised her from an infant. Yep. and then married her. I know it's pretty creepy, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> She's definitely in the cut for the show. Then all right, definitely. number four.
3: You got to have Frances in there.
1: That's a great <laughs> plot point. Okay, next.
3: Next up is Caroline Harrison. Interesting. Yes. Why? Again, she brings this emphasis to the White House through Christmas, through the holidays. She oh. had she had her grandchildren were living with her, so um, you see the first Christmas tree happening in the White House at that ah. point.
1: Well, that's a big one for the first ladies. Yeah.
3: Yes, that's that's a big deal. And also, she has a lot of women. Of course, they're privileged women, but she has a lot of women who are being taught lessons in painting, China painting. She was a, she herself was a great artist. Interesting. Um, that type of thing. So number five, right? Or number yeah, one on the list is, of course, number five. Helen Taft, who uh, we mentioned before. It's too bad she had a stroke because I think she would have been even more um, influential. The fact that she brings the cherry blossoms, of course, to the, the White House. Right. She also does a lot of things where she brings in um, entertainment from different countries and that type of thing. She brings a lot more culture to the White House.
1: Interesting. All right, next. Yeah. Six.
3: Um, Ellen Wilson. That's the first Woodrow Wilson. Le- the first, Wilson,
1: the first Wilson, not the second, not
3: one? the second one. It's the
1: first, and why would you choose her? Because I I know why you might have chosen the second, and maybe spoiler Edith's alert, Edith's on you?
3: there too. Edith's on there too.
1: Uh, both Wilsons <laughs> make
3: it, <laughs> yes, both of them are.
0: I can see an interesting song coming,
3: yes, can't you?
1: <laughs> so, why, why both Wilsons eat Ellen and Edith? Is that right?
3: Yes, well, Ellen, why
1: both Wilsons,
3: Ellen? Um. She is kind of, you could say she's the first First Lady to have a cause.
2: Oh, oh, I see.
3: She realizes that um, there's these horrid, horrid um, slums in the Washington, D.C. area, and she decides to take that on and uh, see if they can clean that up. And she goes and she actually visits these homes, and there are a lot of them are African-American homes. A remarkable uh, thing for a first lady to do for during you know this time the
1: first first lady to have a cause
3: to have a cause right
1: now what was Edith's story and why she included
3: Edith, of course, she was running the country for President Wilson because he was stricken with his stroke um, and so she gets a lot of of calls for that. however, the reason we we chose her is because of what she did during World War one she was quite a leader in the in the country and being the the wheatless, meatless, gasless days that were going on during World War One. she was very much a supporter of that. Um she had a bunch of a herd of sheep come and and um, do the lawn at the White House. <laughs> Uh-huh. Uh, as, as part of this, interesting, yes, and she sold the wool, and it was sold to the Red Cross. That's very green. Um, to make yes,
1: yes, it is right. She's like the first gluten-free first. Here match, you go with Here the wheatless go. thing, right?
2: All right,
1: so never mind the fact that Woodrow Wilson is basically completely laid out and useless with a stroke, <laughs> and we've already had our first female president. We had meatless days, Joe, and sheep. Ah, uh, the, the lawn. good old days.
3: I know. That's- not what, that's not what people love to talk about with her, but that was our reading <laughs> right. behind Edith Wilson. She did a lot of really... She's very much a pro-America, pro-taking care of Americans and, and being supportive during the war. <laughs> all right. Yeah, yeah, first ladies' museum. <laughs> so I can see that talking to me is not going to help you at all.
0: <laughs> so what I'm hearing right. is get to, get to, a, <laughs> to get to a to to get a stage where we need, uh, a, you know, the White House to care about the environment, we need a world war.
1: That's
3: <laughs> That's about, isn't that? That's what I Maybe we'll have yes. another one of those and that'll help.
1: All right, so we're going to emphasize the meatless gas list, which I don't know goes together. You don't
3: have to. But we're going to emphasize
1: those two things and the fact that she was actually the first female president. We'll just keep it between us, right, First Ladies Museum?
3: That's right, that's right. I
1: you've understand. The
3: joke, huh? Halfway you, there. You've heard the joke about um, when Woodrow asked Edith to marry him. No. She was so surprised she fell out of bed.
0: <laughs> I like that. I've got to remember that. Oh, guys, that's
2: That's really Steve. You got to use that
0: in (laughs) AP history
2: class.
1: (laughs) (laughs) We're never gonna make it to the end. All right,
3: next. Yes. Okay, Florence Harding Ah, is next.
1: We've talked about her, so we got that.
3: Talked about Florence. Okay. Um, Eleanor Roosevelt. Eleanor Roosevelt. You got to have Eleanor. Got that. The next is Jackie Kennedy. Okay. Our country was much more beloved because of Jackie and her visiting them. Mm-hmm. Um, these other countries that no first ladies, some of them I don't even think they had ever been to themselves ever. Uh, and she was, you know, did a lot of solo things like that. Also, as we said, her uh, work with bringing a sense of history to the White mm-hmm. House itself.
1: When I was in D.C. with some of my students a couple of years ago, I didn't know this, but the the part of uh, Lafayette Square, which is just north of the White House with the statue with the dude on the horse and whatever yes. in the president's church. And it's very, there's a lot of older buildings around there. And it, it kind of looks like historic. Washington, D.C. and not as modern, uh, she actually was instrumental in helping save that and preserve that yes. square the way yeah. it looked. Is that right? I, I thought that was yeah, fascinating. Right. I did not know that.
3: Yeah, yeah. She's okay. all about saving, saving the the history. Uh, she did the same thing in New York with um th- with the Grand Central Station. She hmm. uh, helped save that too. She was very much about saving um, beautiful art and and the sense of culture in in our in our country. Five left. Next is Lady Bird Johnson. Hmm. And she, again, is this kind of groundbreaking First Lady. She's the first First Lady to go out on a whistle-stop campaign tour by herself, um, which was the Lady Bird special. Um, Again, it's to help with the Civil Rights Act had just passed. So Lyndon Johnson is kind of suffering in the South. So that's what she did. She just went out on and she did that. Uh, The next one is Betty Ford. Yes. And Betty... um, being the rock and cool lady that she was in that <laughs> season, she's got breast cancer and uh, she puts it out there for our country. I don't know that people understand. You didn't talk about cancer, period, but you especially didn't talk about breast cancer. And by Betty Ford doing that, um, I mean, now people wear pink ribbons mm-hmm. and support breast cancer research. That wasn't until... We have Betty Ford to thank for that by putting that out there and and saying, "Yes, I've got breast cancer and and making an effort to show that this does happen,
1: and the Betty Ford Clinic, too, and substance abuse. Yeah, she was it, very oh open about that.
3: yeah, she was. That didn't really happen till after her first ladyship, right? Um but, uh, you know, she was still being enabled terribly through at the White House. Um, mm. When you're the First Lady, everybody wants to be your doctor. And I think it got right. even worse in, in the White House. It's just tragic um, what happened to her. And she's such a survivor. Amazing, amazing woman. Hmm.
2: Uh, Only three left.
3: Hillary Clinton.
2: Hillary. Yes. Okay.
3: Hillary Clinton. And again, for reasons that we've talked about, another groundbreaking right. First Lady mm-hmm. in um, actually – trying to work with it, bring a uh, universal healthcare that's the seeds of that they're just beginning with her to, and she's slammed for it so hard
0: mm-hmm. imagine i'm stunned
1: <laughs> <laughs> joe's basically a socialist Michelle. i don't know if you knew that oh i'm i'm so I far it,
2: left for america
0: <laughs> i'm so far left i'm off the charts i think but you know. all right only two
1: spots left and they've got to be recent ones yes. so who would you pick
3: Yes, Laura Bush.
1: All right. Ah, because?
3: Yes, Laura Bush, because um, of how she really stepped up uh, during 9-11. And she's very much in that symbolic role of trying to help um, our country come to ter- terms with this terrible disaster that happens. Mm-hmm. She also makes a lot of inroads in, in making women's health um an issue. She's the a spokesperson for the Heart Truth organization. She brings the the plight of the Afghanistan women to the forefront. Um, she does a lot of amazing things. And again, I, I think she gets uh, overlooked. Um, but she, we all agreed that we thought that she was really an important first lady. Does a lot of really amazing things.
1: Well, there's only one spot left, and only two first ladies remaining. So it's either Melania or Michelle. Right. Who gets the it's nod?
2: Michelle. Uh,
1: <laughs> yeah, it Michelle. better be
3: <laughs>
1: <laughs> because
3: because Wait, actually we consider um, Melania Trump a current events.
1: <laughs> well, you no, know what? Uh, I, she is. I, I yes. You you brought up an interesting point. Actually, I want to ask you about that. Tell us about Obama first, because that's the question I was going to ask about your list. Oh, Go ahead. Okay. So, why is Obama Michelle Obama on the list?
3: Mainly because of um, again. This bringing people together in a way in our country—that's of course because she's the first African American—but she brings like this sense of really facing some issues that are problematic in this country: childhood obesity, and bringing our health much more to the to the forefront Mm -hmm. um, than any first lady. I mean, now you have her to thank for um, when you go into a restaurant and you see. Um, how many calories you're going to consume. All that has to do with Michelle Obama.
1: Now, you mentioned that Melania, you almost treat her more like a current event. But Michelle Obama, she's certainly current also. I mean, she's going to be out there. In fact, I just saw an article this week at the the time we're recording this, you know, Barack Obama just made his endorsement for Joe Biden. There's talk that she's going to be back out there on the campaign trail, even though she's not necessarily a fan of that aspect of it. But the list that you've come up with – when I made my first fifteen, and we'll talk about this Joe in our next episode on characters because uh, Michelle's given oh, us cool. a lot to think about here yeah is uh, the I made we made an aborted attempt to start a show that we felt it was going in kind of a linear sense and wasn't really working and now we're we're taking a second approach with the, I'd like to bounce off of you in a second. but in the first attempt, I did not have a first lady in the fifteen I chose after Jackie Kennedy. None of them. And part of the reason why I did that is because historians say that unless you get 20 years is the kind of rule of thumb on an event, you can't really know what to say or think about that event. It's too recent to not be history. And it's almost more political yes. than it is historical. Right.
3: Yes. Well, you so true. Right. But so you've, true.
1: you've chosen a lot of the recent First Ladies. hmm. And so do, do, but you, you do think that's true. The closer to the present day you get, the harder it is for us to look at it with a clear eye.
3: Oh, very much so. Oh, yes. Yeah. Do you oh, get yeah.
1: do you get a lot of political drama in the First Ladies Museum?
3: Yes, we do, and it's something that we strive really hard to. We try to bring a sisterhood to it,
2: mm-hmm.
3: and um, but it, it's so interesting to me um, through the years because everyone who comes in, some of them they want to know the history about him, right. uh, about this and that and the other whatever, and and but others are looking for a political bend, right? Um, and so at times it's very difficult mm-hmm. because. You have to be careful about what you say. It's just kind of like being a first lady. You have to be very careful about what you say, <laughs> mm-hmm. how you say it. I guess why we chose the, the newer ones that we did was because those are the ones that people know that right. we get the probably the most questions about. Mm. I love it when I get a question about Francis Cleveland right. or, you know, somewhere where I can really dig in and find mm. a lot of good uh, material about. Mm-hmm. And Hillary Clinton is also she's a. Terrible hotbed. Yes. Uh, even for for us, uh, even using her as a first lady, um, mm-hmm. she just really pushes a lot of buttons, as I'm sure Eleanor Roosevelt did. I've read some amazing things about um, Eleanor Roosevelt. There was a gentleman who said that every time that that uh, she or her husband came on the radio his grandfather would would throw a
0: shoe at the the radio. (laughs) That sounds eerily familiar to me. (laughs) Yeah. But we need to change (laughs) Hillary Clinton's name for someone else.
1: Joe throws shoes at his radio all the time.
0: Yes.
1: (laughs) So, Michelle, I have to tell you, uh, we had an an epiphany in the last episode. Uh, We think we know what the structure of our show is going to be, and I want you to weigh in on this because... Uh, it's, it's interesting in the, in the first attempt to write the show, I went with a more historical bent based in the white house the ladies were kind of, I don't know, haunting it or whatever. So you could bring them all together. It, it just wasn't working. It felt more like a history class. So then I thought, now here's a great idea. Yawn. And in my defense, Joe also likes it.
0: <laughs> yeah. I like this new idea. I do, I, I like history. Mm hmm. Um, but he wants to be entertained. But yes, if I'm going to the theatre, I I, it
3: right. needs to
0: be fun and exciting. And, and not that it Steve's does. history classes aren't fun and exciting. Oh, they are. I'm sure they are. But <laughs> but I'm, I, if I'm paying money to sit and probably, let's face it, in a mask watching, <laughs> watching a show,
1: uh-huh.
0: then, I, you know, it, it better entertain me.
1: So here's what we've got, uh, Michelle, and you tell us if it's dead on arrival. Uh, Since we've talked so much about sisterhood and and women's empowerment and knowing their place, we thought, what better way to explore all of that (laughs) than to put them all through a first lady pageant? (laughs) 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 Who Who is America's? first lady they'll all come out i don't have to pick the top 15 they'll parade through helen can be wearing cherry blossoms you know they've all got their stuff going on edith can be leading a the sheep they'll all introduce themselves they'll wear the banners will and then we'll immediately cut down to our our top 15 and we'll actually deal with the inherent sexism in first ladies by just tripling down on it in a sexist structure and we'll just take it on on the nose and and that will be part of the debate that we will have and my ending that i wrote the other day kind of kind of deals with that a little bit now here's the question is that brilliant or absolutely horrifying and does the first ladies museum now no longer wish to associate with the project <laughs>
3: No, I think it's very cool. Ah, excellent! I, I love the idea of a like you were saying, Ellen Taft, coming out. Yeah. in and <laughs> you know, right. covered with hair. Well,
0: boxes. I think I think Edith uh, Wilson should be dressed up as Little Bo Peep. Now I've heard the story. <laughs>
1: Absolutely.
0: So we, yes. what I'm hearing,
1: Definitely. what I'm Definitely.
0: hearing is, or uh, what I'm envisioning, are the big flyers uh, for for promotion of the show with a nice big sticker across it that says "endorsed by the National First Ladies Library."
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> yes. Well, you should because awesome. you know what my dream, Joe, is. The premiere is going to be at the Kennedy Center. And we'll have the National Park Service push it, and that's where this sucker is going to go.
0: And Ken Burns film the whole thing.
1: Yes. <laughs> All right, Michelle. Before before with this <laughs> before this ends, I have two stupid questions. <laughs> I have two stupid questions for you, as opposed to the ones we've already done. Uh, have any first ladies visited the museum, and have you met
3: any? Um, yes, three first ladies have visited the museum. Really? Um, Rosalind Carter. She has been there, and so has Hillary Clinton, and so has Laura Bush.
1: Did you meet any of them?
3: I did not. It was before my time Ah. there.
1: And you are a curator, which means you gather things, right? Yes. Do, Do you have a couple favorite curated items that you just love to stare at and obsess over, that we should enjoy if we come down there?
3: Well, it's not always on display, but my very favorite thing is actually a letter that was written by Lucretia Garfield. Oh. Um, she wrote it uh, right after the assassination of uh, James Garfield, and she wrote it uh, on behalf of Dr. Susan Edson, who is one of the physicians who took care of President Garfield. You know, it took, what, 79 days for him to, to die. Right. And all these physicians, they became kind of their own little um, little mini celebrities, except for Dr. Edson. And she's actually, a lot of times she's in um, the, the drawings. You see her, she's fanning him, but she's always called a nurse, that type of thing. She was not, she was a, a physician. And after his assassination, the Congress is, it creates a committee to pay the doctor bills. Hmm. And it comes out in the paper that the lead doctor, who was Dr. Bliss, he was getting um, $25,000. And then they they all were listed, all these numbers. And then uh, there comes down to the the lower rankings. And then the very lowest ones are, I think, Dr. Rayburn and somebody else. And they are getting $10,000. And then there's Dr. Susan Edson, $5,000. So- after you see this in the newspaper, um, this is written after this comes out, Uh, Lucretia Garfield writes to the head of the committee and um, writes to him and and says that she wants to point out that Dr. Susan Edson was a physician just like all the others, and that she gave up her practice just like all the others did. And as far as real service, her service was much more involved than sounded like almost all of the the doctors.
1: So she advocated for better equal pay then, basically.
3: That's right. She says this is a discrimination. She actually uses that word.
0: Wow. Well, I'm glad to see that everything
1: changed. <laughs> yeah,
3: exactly. exactly. Did, did,
1: the, did the doctor get the equal pay? Did she get the equal pay?
3: She did. That when it came out, she got $10,000, just like Dr. Rayburn. Oh,
1: Oh, well, she she should have because Dr. Bliss is the one that killed him.
0: (laughs) So all it takes is a letter from the First Lady to get equal pay.
3: There you go.
1: Well, I know that's not always on display, Michelle, but when we come to the First Ladies Museum, we expect a VIP tour of the catacombs <laughs> of to be able to see uh, that you letter bet. in person.
3: You will get it. Excellent. You will get it.
1: And I also And I'll think take this you is...
3: you can see the dresses, whatever. Oh I'll yeah, take you, see that, you want.
0: The that is definitely on my
3: list. Inspiration. <laughs> I want to know what, Steve, who are on your list.
1: Well, you'll have to listen to episode X because that's our next conversation. (laughs) Okay. But I I will share that with you uh, when I decide what it is. Because honestly, uh, that's what our next conversation is going to be because we had a a top 15. Uh, The top 15 I would choose for this pageant idea is not the same top 15. And neither of them match your guys' top 15. So, so you've been of no well, help. Well,
3: I, I can understand. <laughs> I can understand why you'd want you know why you might want to have Margaret Taylor in there. Right?
1: Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> Michelle, thanks for nothing. <laughs> we really
0: appreciate it. Oh, you're so welcome. <laughs> yeah, Michelle, thank you so very much. This has been wonderful.
3: Oh, you're so welcome. I'm so excited. I hope I wasn't too sober, you know, because I have to fight so much to go. Hey. Pay attention to these women.
0: No, we can do we can do all this um, all this again um, after you've had a couple of cocktails, if you like.
1: Right, because she definitely hasn't lasted enough during this interview. That's right.
3: No, you guys are hilarious.
0: Well, we try and entertain. We try. (laughs) Yeah, there's not going
1: to be any musical created, but we will have some great podcasts. That's right. That's right. Thanks, Michelle.
3: Thank you guys, both.
0: Yeah, Michelle, this has been great. Thanks so much indeed.
3: I've so enjoyed meeting and talking with you guys.
0: Likewise.
3: Okay. Thanks. Have a Bye. good day. You too. Bye. Bye-bye. Well,
0: that was fun. That was a lot of fun. Yeah. yeah um, got some things to think about. So do you think these first ladies are the ones that are going to make it, or we've still got some thinking to do?
1: We've got thinking to do. Yeah. It was interesting to hear their choices. Uh, They are not the ones – and, you know, I'd have to go back and look to see who they didn't pick. But this is why, you know, Hollywood always says, uh, well, we took creative license.
0: (laughs) Well, and that's why Broadway does the same thing. And this is – it can't be a history lesson. It's got to be driven by drama and driven by theatrics.
1: Right. But we definitely know that Francis uh, or uh, Carolyn Harrison, in the opening parade of First Ladies, will be dressed as a Christmas tree. Absolutely. We know that now. And And is it Edith Wilson or Ellen Wilson that had the sheep? (laughs) Edith had the sheep. Okay. And also was our first female president. But, yeah, she had sheep on the lawn. Well, we can at least <laughs> – even if she doesn't
0: come out as Little Bo Peep, we can at least serve lamb at intermission.
1: <laughs> lamb on a stick. Yeah. All right. Well, this. Well, I think our next episode, then, should be um, character-based. we got to figure out who our top 15 are, and I'm going to have to think about it. we got to have a discussion, and it seems –
0: that I have not escaped having to do some research about these
1: first ladies. (laughs) Well, you know what you could do is, Joe, I'll pick my top 15. You throw a dart at your top 15, and we won't know the wiser. That's right. (laughs) Or you you could just cheat and use Michelle's top 15. And again we'll maybe we'll debate those the merits of her 15 in mind
0: we could have a discussion um as you see on plenty of network news channels where you have an informed researcher talking with a complete moron yeah (laughs) and And they get equal weight and both have equal weight that's right so i can just come in well that's kind of learn out a few words and you're going to have to take it seriously and i will have done no thinking about it whatsoever
1: that sounds like a great approach
0: it's the way we've approached the entire project really okay well my name is still joe and i am still steve and you have been listening to
1: two fools and a librarian trying to make a (laughs) music.
0: that's right and we do thank michelle again she was wonderful it was she was great and of course, don't forget to check us out for more foolishness at TwoFoolsTrying.com. Like us on Facebook and follow at TwoFoolsTrying on Instagram and Twitter. Hello, is that Michelle?
3: Michelle Gallian the archivist and curator at the National First Ladies Library. Yes, it is. How nice to meet you both.
0: Our musical is based on the stories of the first ladies of America. So
1: the question then was, what are the top 15 first ladies in no particular order all time? Give give us our two-sentence resume for each (laughs)
3: one. Dolly Madison.
0: Yeah, let's, (laughs) let's start this off by reducing their entire achievements. To two sentences.
1: (laughs) Isn't that what the musical's going to do, Joe? That's a great way of
0: displaying (laughs) our enlightened approach.
1: Well, we don't want a five-hour musical, Joe.
3: (laughs) So I can see that talking to me is not going to help you at all.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Do you get a lot of political drama in the First Lady's Museum?
3: Yes, we do. You have to be careful about what you say. It's just kind of like being a First Lady. You have to be very careful about what you say how you
1: say it Uh, the top 15 i would choose for this pageant idea is not the same top 15 and neither of them match your guys' top 15 so (laughs) so you've been of no help at all
0: (laughs) we've still got some thinking to do
1: we've got thinking to do
0: yeah